Welcome back to the comfy chairs. I've saved you a seat. Today is the second half of a conversation with my friend Greg about adaptability. We turn our attention today to the leadership and communication skills that support adaptation and change. While much of our focus today is on the workplace, we do begin with some continued discussion about the role adaptability can play during grief. Please have a seat and join our conversation. One of the things I've heard you talk about through this is the, when you said that you would, you would lie when people asked you why you moved to the States, mm-hmm. that you were trying to protect other people, but it was causing you harm. Yeah. And I'm curious, do you find that you are better able to set that type of boundary for yourself now than you could five years ago even? Absolutely, yeah. What benefit have you received from that? It's less exhausting, to to put it simply. Yeah. Um, You know, holding those type of things in, it's uh, it's powder keg, you know? Mm. Um, Yeah. It's uh, completely unnecessary to do. So it's, I think it makes it makes me be a little bit more genuine with people uh, because I'm not always there in the back of my head going, well, I've lied about that. And then I need to, what, what else do I need to cover up in the meantime about whatever story they want to oh, yeah. hear? That makes sense. That, it, that, that is exhausting. Never mm-hmm. mind the, the fact of a lie sitting there between you and someone else. Yeah. This is jumping around a bit. I want to go back that, to... That's all of our conversations that we've ever had. It's the best. Because <laughs> like you, I love listening to people talk about <laughs> the things in their lives. Um, you said something that I, I want to make certain doesn't get lost because I think it's one of the most important mindsets when we face moments where we can change, where we can adapt. And it was talking about moving... When you made the move from Ireland to Ohio, that you tried to not just think about it as everything I'm leaving behind, Mm -hmm. but what are the benefits of moving? And that not forcing ourselves to be positive, but to think about change, about adaptation as moving toward, as opposed to moving away from. Right sets us up for success one do you agree and two where are some other places where you've um, been able to apply that mindset or cases where you've seen people do it really successfully that was uh, a big question and i can break it down that's if okay. I that's okay i think i'm following along yeah um yes i i think i do agree with that um you know, about six years ago in my own career, I made a big, big choice. It was an opportunity that came up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the company I work for is traditionally works in machine tools, CNC, metal cutting, blades, milling machines, things like that. Very traditional manufacturing. 
and uh, about six years ago, we had a the, the the company decided that they wanted to get into the three D printing side of thing, and uh, I was approached as someone who had a little bit of experience in it already. Uh, would it be something that I would be interested in? Um, and it was, you know, first of all, I was excited. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a, yeah. this is this seems like a really interesting opportunity. But then you start start looking at it. I'm like, well, this is a lot of unknown here. Lots right? of unknown. Um, and uh, you know, I I was doing okay in the job that I was. There was opportunity on that side as well, which is a little bit more established, probably a little safer. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I I think whatever made me make that decision. You know, I decided to go on the the road less traveled. Um, and again, it was all right. Well, what what's the potential here? Right, it, it's that moving forward and not what am I going to miss out on? Obviously, you want to weigh up all the all the options there um, to make an informed decision, but um, I decided to make that that change in my career. Um, pretty happy with that change. So yeah. far, so good. Anyway, <laughs> do you have do you have like an evaluation process? Are you a pro? Pro con list type of person. Not a list guy. No, it's no. more that like kind of internalize, reflect, I, gut. Thing. Yeah, I'm a, I'm an internalize. I, I do a lot of this stuff in my head, mm-hmm. um, and I I try to make a, a you know an informed decision. Sometimes I'll write some stuff down, but I'm not a very regimented pro con. Yeah. Um, it works very well for a lot of people. Um probably would be for me too but um i just uh a little get a get a little bit antsy about that that's fair yeah no, that's fair mm-hmm. you know even though i like worship at the altar of lists i know mm-hmm. it's not for everyone mm-hmm. um you know we've our conversation has really crossed the lines back and forth between personal and professional mm-hmm one of the questions I wrote down when I was brainstorming for today was um, can adaptability in one part of our life, like personal, exist without it being present in the other? I think so. Yeah? What, I think it can. What do you think that looks like? You know, I think, you know, in our per- sometimes in our personal lives, I think we can be a little bit more... I think in our personal lives, I think we can be a little bit more risk takers. Okay. Um, whereas we might see our career as something that we want to be want very stable, right? Um, and and we with that stability, you know, stability in your career, you can become quite rigid. Mm-hmm. Um, so whereas you might be a you know a bit of a thrill seeker in your personal life and you know, jump out of a plane on a whim. Um, you <laughs> no, know, thank you. You, you, right. Um, you know, you might be quite, quite rigid at work. Okay. Um, you think this is, do you think having that kind of divide of where you're more go with the flow or risk taking in one place and being rigid in the other 
do you think that's ultimately sustainable and healthy? Probably not. Because mm. I, I think in in one case, you're either, you're probably, and I'm just assuming I'm no expert, but you're probably one or the other. Mm-hmm. So you're probably, you're faking it in one side yeah. than the other. Yeah, and I I honestly, I'm not trying to steer the conversation one way or the other. It's a, it's a question I'm curious about, and I can kind of see it go both ways. Mm-hmm. I can see it being like, well, if you're that way one place, it's natural to be that way in other aspects of your life. And then, like you said, I could see being like, well, at home I can be a little more, woo, mm-hmm. and I, I step into the office and I need to keep that security and stability in place. But then, you know, am I faking it when Mm. I'm that way? Am I faking at home Mm. and creating problems because there isn't as much structure as Mm. I want? Um, So I I think it's a, it's a thing we should probably examine in ourselves. Absolutely. And then determine what is the best thing and how should I be? Mm -hmm. Although I've said that and now I'm going back to where we started, where you need to adapt your adaptability. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I've just talked myself in a circle. So. <laughs> so, Greg, what do you think? If someone is, if somebody is kind of rigid and they recognize that it's not serving, how can people, in your opinion and experience, learn to be adaptable? So I think adaptability is inherently in all of us. Okay. Right. I mean, that's what we do. We adapt to our environment, right? It's. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's. I think it's in all of us. I think you'll find a lot of the time when people are not adaptable, it's because they don't understand what's going on. Okay. Right? That makes um, a lot of sense. So yeah. you know, we'll take uh, in leadership for example. Right. You have a big change come up in your company. Mm-hmm. And you don't fully explain to your employees what or yeah what or what's happening or why you're doing it. They're going to be extremely rigid on that. It's it's a natural question for you to ask. Well, why are we doing this? Or for what purpose? And because I said so is not a not a good answer. No, we're not two year olds. Yeah, exactly. So I think if you can communicate clearly, right, and you need to make sure that that's clearly and not from your perspective you're communicating with the person you're communicating that to. They just have no idea what's going on, mm-hmm. right? So you need to adapt that message as much as you can to the people that you're talking to. One term that I've heard a lot in change management communications um, is crafting the message for the person's frame of reference. Do I understand why this is going to impact you, why you might be struggling. And that goes back to, do I know my people? Mm -hmm. Which is the core, right? That is the thing every leader uh, needs to continue to ask themselves. Do I know my people? Do I understand their priorities, their strengths, their weaknesses? I also think part of that, though, that sometimes gets missed is setting the boundaries for people. Mm -hmm. That you are right. The answer of why we're making this change is not because I said so. Mm -hmm. And 
if it is if it is a change being made for a business imperative to sustain the organization or that part of the organization and really no kidding it has to happen then here are the parameters of how you can be um, rigid versus flexible mm-hmm. uh, this is the timeline for it and I'm going to be empathetic and coach and communicate throughout mm-hmm. that but if we get to a point and you've not made the change, mm-hmm. there has to be some sort of discussion and consequence. Right. And all of that is obviously predicated on has the leader done their diligence and made it clear the whys and wherefores. But I think just in my own experience, I've seen whatever adaptability people bring with them to work has not been fully employed I guess because leadership is either too rigid or too flexible in it so people are allowed workarounds and to not change or Mm. people are told step in line I I would probably change your too flexible to too ambiguous oh okay that's fair no I like that that is clearer I think I got I got a little distracted listening to you because I I started to go off on a tangent and I apologize for not being 100% present. But in my head, I was thinking about, are people inherently adaptable? And I think the answer is it depends. Obviously, you know, we have evolved, we, we change. And when I think about like the limbic system and how the amygdala functions, we are also built to ensure safety. Absolutely. That means a lot of times we approach any change like threat. So there's this tension between I want to be safe, the unconscious parts of my cognition, if you will. I know I'm not using the right term there, but they are designed to ensure that I don't don't fall and get hurt. Mm -hmm. But then we are also... We're also made to experiment and innovate and explore and try things out. So there's this constant tension between I want, I intellectually want to be different and my lizard brain mm-hmm. is saying don't change. Absolutely. And that's part of how we have to, we have to manage change is recognizing that people may have an interest in moving towards the new, but they also have an investment in their their physical, mental, and emotional safety that will block them from moving it forward sometimes. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Like that was a... <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I think when we're talking about change, right, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, there's a resistance, right? As soon as you say change, there's mm-hmm. a resistance. Someone hears it's change, but it's for their benefit that's when they start to open up and it's that safety thing mm-hmm. right so if you can you know if you can create an environment that your employees feel safe in what they're doing um you know that that change is a little bit easier right mm-hmm. you know this is the change but this is how it benefits you or this is the change and this is how you can help um rather than this is the change and this is what you can do you know, mm-hmm. rather a command rather than 
you know, making them feel, yeah, feel included and wanted and safe. I've been researching um, the Cotter change methodology and thinking about what is my own model of change when I teach people or coach people. You know, there's Cotter and Bridges and Connor and Lewin. We can go through all of those models. I will spare us that. What I've kind of boiled down to is I think there are four requirements of how we manage energy during change. You've talked about one, that we have to have direction. Mm -hmm. Even if we're headed to the unknown, the ambiguity, there still has to be some type of stability there. Mm -hmm. Then we also need to understand how to engage with people's heads and hearts Mm -hmm. and recognize when one is appropriate or inappropriate. And I think that's a large part of what we're talking about in this space is there has to be clarity and there has to be compassion Mm -hmm. for people because change is hard. Um, I'm curious, you, I know you are participating in a leadership training program with your company. Mm -hmm. Am I remembering correctly that you encountered situational leadership? Mm -hmm. Do you see that applying in this conversation? I I know the answer is yes. That is a leading one. (laughs) I guess what I actually should ask (laughs) instead of a yes, no closed ended question is can you, can you describe your understanding of situational leadership a little bit and how, how you're applying it um, in your work these days? Because I think it's a very relevant skill set for people when we talk about adaptability. I mean, you know, obviously uh, we go back to what we said in the beginning, mm-hmm. you know, it's uh, right. It all depends. And that's situational, yes. right? Um, in in my work right now, we're actually going through quite a lot of change mm-hmm. uh, currently. Um, we're bringing on some new, new suppliers, uh, parting ways with old suppliers. And, you know, there's a lot of change and ambiguity going on right now which is which is challenging every situation you step into Mm -hmm. is a new situation okay um and sometimes it's difficult to walk into that new situation when you already have something else going on in your your head from a previous experience right yes it's it's challenging and we're all human i think Mm -hmm. we've we've established that Uh, i won't put that put on the record um, it's but, the hardest part of being. I know, right? <laughs> the hardest part of being human is your humanity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We we need to figure that out. You just have to be very cognizant uh, mm-hmm. of uh, of all that. Yeah. Um, I'm struggling with his answer right now. No, I think, uh, no, it is. It's so it's interesting to me because I feel like it's we tend to like healthy mature people tend to be very comfortable modifying their approach out in the world, mm-hmm. right? Like the way I talk to a waiter is going to be different than the way I talk to my mother. And, mm, you right. know, hopefully they're not on different, like wildly different ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the way I am with my family is different than I am with my friends is different than I am, you Absolutely. know, in the grocery store, fill in the blank. And then we become leaders <laughs> And so much of that falls away. Mm. And there's this gap that occurs between, well, I'm going to talk to my spouse differently than I am my children, mm-hmm. but I'm going to talk to Joe exactly the same as how I talk to Jane on my team. Right. When 
we know out in the world that doesn't work. Yeah. And it's, it's a funny part of being human that we lose that inherent knowledge when we gain responsibility. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why I think models like situational leadership are so important for us mm-hmm. because they ground us in practical, you know, not surprising things. Yeah. You know, what you, what you learned in that class probably echoed significantly with what you did when you were selling menswear. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we go through these situational leadership things and we're sitting there and we're going, well, of course. Uh-huh. Right. A lot of the time we're like, well, of course. Um, but what the, what the training actually gives you is the framework mm-hmm. to be able to apply what you already know. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, they're not teaching anything you don't already know. Yeah. It's just, uh, they give you the tools to be able to do it effic- efficiently mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's or, or do it at all. Yeah. One of the things I have said to so many learners, students, is the dirty secret of the work I do is none of it's, none of it's rocket science. No. It's highlighting for you what you do know and teaching you how to treat the people that look to you for leadership, frankly, the way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. You already know this. Yeah. Let's, Let's give you the tools and language you need to do it right. in the face of all the other demands on your time. Mm-hmm. It's it's stuff we already know. Mm-hmm. But like I always say, if it's easy, everyone would be doing it, right? Yes. And I think there's a difference between simple and difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, that these are simple things, but to your point, they're not necessarily easy. But simple is a is like a life raft for us, right? Because I don't have to build the Titanic. Mm-hmm. I, I shouldn't be building the Titanic anyway. I you might do a better job. <laughs> well, you know, art art and English major probably not. <laughs> um, but I don't have to create something complex. Mm-hmm. I can have a simple framework for how I lead. I can adapt it. Mm-hmm. So the simplicity makes it more adaptable. Right. And then that allows me to navigate all the difficulty that comes with humanity. Because mm-hmm. all of the stuff is obviously, oh, it's so easy when you're in a classroom. Right. But when you have a living, breathing, spitting, mm-hmm. crying, fill in the blank person in front of you. Yeah. The, the ease falls yeah. away. Yeah. Well, the, the task is easy. The execution is difficult. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to talk about it. Thank I you. mean, we, uh, I play a lot of sports. Yeah. Right? I want, I did want to bring that up because you mentioned that you talk sports a lot with your dad. Yeah. And... I, I talk sports a lot. I've played since I was mm-hmm. six or seven and years of play, age. And... You've played some very like challenging, fast sports. Uh, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so played rugby for a long time. Uh, my first sport was uh, a sport called hurling. Um, and it's not what you think it is. No, it's not. Uh, it's a traditional Irish sport, uh, stick sport, cross between. I, I like to say it's like cross between lacrosse and field hockey. It's a very fast paced, mm. very high skill game. But you know, if you can learn the basics of any sport, and and do the do the fundamentals well, 
you can usually be pretty successful in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we watch sport every, you know, most people watch sport every weekend and you see the prof- professionals not executing on the fundamental. Mm-hmm. And that's their downfall. You know, this is something that you have to constantly work on. doesn't matter what level you're at. You have to work on the fundamentals at all levels. That's exactly right. You can see the same thing in writing. Mm. We're taught grammar. We're taught sentence structure and rhetoric. And when you have the fundamentals down, then you can build and morph and make it suitable for different forms. Mm-hmm. You know, Virginia Woolf, stream of consciousness, um, E.E. Cummings, no punctuation, <laughs> and beautiful work coming mm-hmm. out of that. So we start with the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And then, and I, I think to keep us on topic, what are some of those fundamentals of becoming, being, and continuing to adapt? I think the biggest part of it is reflection. Okay. Um, you need to be able to reflect on what you've just done, not only personally for yourself, but even with your own team. You've got to be able to sit down and reflect on, well, you know, what do we learn from this? Right, we're, we're trying to always, always learn on that. You know, we we want to see what we. You want to reflect with your team. What did we do, right? And then what do we need to do, to change those outcomes or improve on those outcomes in the future? Mm-hmm. And that's very very simple adaptability. I would. I would argue that some of that goes back to humility again Mm. because if you're going to ask what did we learn, there is the potential that you're going to uncover that things were done wrong. Right. So you, you talked about openness. Yeah. And and that's where you have to, you have to be able to create a safe space Mm -hmm. for not only, you know, for yourself and being honest about what you've done and, and, and putting your ego aside but allowing your team to be able to come to you and go, well, I made this mistake, right? Yeah. And not blowing up. Mm-hmm. Um, taking the, those couple of seconds to go, okay, well, explain to me what happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it, And you have to create that environment where they feel comfortable doing that. Um, and that's not easy. Um, because, you know, when we make mistakes, inherently we feel a lot of shame. And we like to keep that to ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you need to try try your best to be able to go listen. M- mistakes are, are where you learn. Yeah. Um, you know, God knows I've made enough. Tell me about it, Craig. Um, I had the opportunity to be on a panel about humility and responsiveness last month. And one of the questions the moderator, the convener, asked of us was like how do you foster humility on your team and i was like oh make mistakes Mm. Uh, so it's this irony isn't Mm -hmm. it yeah that at least in leadership or if you want to be somebody who is learning and growing at all times the key to humility and responsiveness adaptation and safety is to screw up a lot Mm -hmm. because you're learning from that Mm-hmm. And uh, honestly, I think 
it becomes a demonstration or an exercise in bravery. Absolutely. Without reflection, you don't fully understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Whether it be a decision, external decision that's being made, uh, some a decision that you've made yourself, or some external force. Mm-hmm. You know, without that reflection and asking those questions of why, and mm-hmm. um, you're you're never going to be able to wrap your head around it enough to be able to adapt. Yeah. Do you have a? Let's see if I can talk about this succinctly. Like a reflection practice? We structure it as best as we can. Okay, that's fair. Um, we we try, and, and, mm-hmm. and again, it doesn't always happen well, as it should. It's not always needed, but, too, right? Like, you don't want to overdo it. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're very good at sitting down after something goes wrong to reflect. Mm-hmm. We try to sit down and talk about the successes as well it's like where can we apply this in other areas this is this is fantastic right Right. this was a this was perfect i think we can replicate this somewhere else that's a form of knowledge management right uh have you ever conducted a pre-mortem i have not it's a little it's a little off topic and it's posing the question it's the day after Everything has gone wrong. It mm-hmm. failed. What caused it to fail? It's a little bit off topic, but I was just curious if that's mm-hmm. a tool you'd encounter. You know, we, I think we, we probably do that a little bit on the fly. We will try and anticipate some of those problems yeah. uh, that may arise and may come up, you know. So I guess we, in a, in a way, we do that, but not, not in a formal way, I, I would think. Where I'm kind of going is that in addition to adapting in the moment, or encountering something and trying to learn and adapt for the next time. What are the ways that we can think about like pre-adaptation? Mm. Um, and not every not every task, not every job, not every industry is necessarily going to require that. Right. I think sophisticated leaders can start thinking about how do I do this? How do we manage for this before the thing happens? No, a- absolutely. I think. Um you know, we we had a contract negotiation going on recently. You know, we had a lot of those types of meetings, right? You know, what what are the consequences if you know X, Y, and Z is done, um, and how does that affect us in the future? Those conversations happened up front, so that you can kind of plan for several options, and instead of like you say, adapt on the fly, yeah. you already have a predetermined adaptation. I think we're talking about. It's a it's a fraternal twin to adaptability. I think we're talking about agility. Uh, we've tossed around resilience mm-hmm. some, and I'm I'm less of a fan of resiliency now than I was. And personal resilience is so important. Mm-hmm. It really is. And you have all this change happening at work, so you have to be able to maintain. Mm-hmm. But you've also shared in your personal life how resilience had to be part of that path for you Mm -hmm. this is kind of my open call for tell me a little bit about your thoughts on resilience i think um resilience or whatever you want to call it right Mm -hmm. Uh, i think we all know what we have an idea of what that looks like um it's extremely important especially in personal life things are always happening um uh, life isn't always rosy uh despite what you hear you know i I'm a, I'm a fan of cliches sometimes. 
there, there are reason they exist. Yeah, you can you can only play with the cards that you're dealt, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes you're dealt a bad hand, and sometimes you got to take it on the chin. But yeah, I mean, sometimes things aren't all rosy. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. And that's all. Sometimes you gotta. Um, I sound like I'm a motivational speaker now. Um, just but lean into it. Yeah, right. Um, but sometimes, and you, we, we heard this a lot over the over the pandemic. Um, there's a huge national push in Ireland about mental health, and, mm-hmm. and that conversation is a lot more open now, mm-hmm. uh, which is fantastic. And you know, the mantra there is, "It's okay to be." to not be okay and I think in in resilience you know you, you got to take that to heart right sometimes it's okay that things kind of suck for a little bit because um, it's not always going to be that way or at least you have to tell yourself that you're raising you're raising a really interesting topic Greg we could start to talk about the impact of mental health on capacity to adapt we have to be aware like where is my head and my heart right now Mm -hmm. because my capacity to change may be very restricted by my anxiety depression and whether that's clinical or situational Mm -hmm. it has to be considered part of the equation because it it is okay to not be okay and not being okay may mean that you can't do this right now. Yeah. In fact, attempting to adapt may cause more harm. Mm. Yeah, sometimes you just got to either stand still or, you know, if you have if you have enough energy and grit in you just to power through sometimes. Yeah. May not be the most healthy thing to do, but sometimes that's the only thing you can do. Mhm. I'm going to ask you this question. We'll see where it goes. Okay. What about a time where you weren't as adaptable as you would have wanted to be? That's an interesting one. Can you see I wasn't prepared for that one? Yeah. Those are my favorite like interview <laughs> questions. That, okay, now tell on yourself. I know. And it was such an obvious one. I should have been prepared <laughs> and I apologize. That's all right. Um, you know, I think... You know, I think right after Melissa passed away, I became quite, quite rigid. Um, you know, you kind of, you start to kind of pull into yourself a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's you know, it probably a, a, some sort of defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you start to get all these, these questions, right? Very well-meaning questions. Um some of them not so well meaning, but you People know, do so much harm trying to be nice sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. But you know, they're, they're just curious and making sure that you're okay. And, um, you know, the, the, the obvious question came up is where you're going to move back home. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't give it a single thought. I wanted to stay exactly where I was. Um, I didn't want much to change because I didn't, I didn't have the ban- bandwidth for it. Mm. I, I really didn't. The biggest change 
had already happened. It, it had happened. Why yeah. would you run after a different one? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, where I was, I think I was, I was trying to adapt to this new life that had been forced upon me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think I was, I pushed back quite a bit. Uh, and, you know, kind of don't know what to do. Um, not sure if it's a good example or not. I think it's a very, it's a very raw example. Mm. And I think it, I want to say this exactly right. I think what we can learn from that example, learn from your experience and what you're sharing is that one, there's only so much adaptation sometimes a body or a psyche can take. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And two, there are some circumstances that prevent us from adapting. And if the desire is there to move forward, you can get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you did and you have if you had not wanted to change at all, any, not even a little bit Mm. in the face of something you didn't choose, I don't know that you would be who you are today. And I'm want to change is a sloppy way to talk about it, but recognizing that you had to, you had to figure out how to make your life without your wife was a, a had to change. Mm. So I think what you're, what you're showing us, showing me, is that sometimes when the the things we would not choose for ourselves occur, even if we're the most adaptable people around, that we need to stop as part of our healing. Yeah. It, it's okay to wrap yourself up and protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And as we've talked a lot about, it's going to be different for each person. Yeah. You know, I would never, I would never equate my job loss to, you know, to Melissa's Mm -hmm. death. And I can think about the first couple of weeks after I found that out that, that I wasn't going to have this job anymore. Mm -hmm. That was a big part of my identity that the world sort of froze for me until I could get my legs back under me and figure out what was going to come next. Mm-hmm. And then that time was followed by a couple of months mm-hmm. of paralysis. Yeah. And it's that is the process of it. And I think because humans perceive change as loss, mm-hmm. even when it isn't, that's how, again, how yeah. we are keeping ourselves safe in the world, we have to acknowledge that the stages of grief are going to impede mm-hmm. some of the steps we need to take to yeah to flex and bend. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was some, you know, after Melissa's passing, there were some changes around me because I felt like it was it would infringe on who I am or my identity or my perception of who I am. Mm-hmm. That I dug my heels in. You know, you kind of have those blinkers on. Of, I'm not ready for change. Yeah. 
and uh you know how that would have been different i i don't know um a lot of the time resistance change can be an emotional reaction almost every time yeah yeah and that's something that we need to be cognizant of i would also add in no small part because i hope i hope you granted this yourself we have to extend grace during those times too that the big adaptations and sometimes even the small ones I go back and think about the accumulation of small differences Mm -hmm. they can cause us pain Mm -hmm. and people in pain need to be treated with with grace and compassion I hope you gave that to yourself or starting to get to a place where you can. Somewhat. Those of us that get to hear about your experience, we recognize that that kindness has to run alongside asking people to adapt. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for allowing me to share. Yeah. Where would you like to end? I'll be at the end. Probably at the end. Are we there? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, it's been interesting sitting down talking about this. Um, a lot of stuff I don't normally share. Um, I'm relatively open, but uh tendency to be, to be quite closed. Yeah, there's a difference between being open one-on-one and sitting down and, you know, digitally mm-hmm. making a record of it. Yeah. It's, it kind of, to keep it all connected... Uh, I'm very grateful today for your openness and you're willing to kind of set ego aside and have a discussion like this. I don't have an ego. I swear. That's not true. <laughs> that is a lie. <laughs> that is such a lie. <laughs> but it comes with an Irish accent, so we all accept it. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit uh, easier pill to swallow. It, it's funny to me of the, oh, I don't understand you because of your accent, but then also I know because I've responded this way to you and I've seen it too. People are like, I just love your accent. They can't have it both yeah. ways. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a challenge with that because a lot of people say, oh, I love your accent. I could listen to you all day. Um, it's a difference between listening and hearing. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm, yeah. When, when I need people to be focusing on what I'm actually saying mm-hmm. instead of just engaging with me, yeah uh, that that's that's a bit of a challenge yeah. some guys can do it better than i can uh i know plenty of irish friends that i have that make no apologies for having a thick irish accent and it works for them yeah um again you got to use what what works for you mm-hmm. and that's adaptability and you're dealt. i love it <laughs> i love it there's our ending <laughs> thank you so much friend no oh, thank you <laughs> change happens. Whether it arrives like an unwelcome guest or comes as a result of choice and planning, change demands that we learn and adapt. And leaders carry an extra responsibility to flex and clarify so that their teams arrive at the other side of change transformed but not broken. Many thanks again to my guest, Greg, for sharing his story. And it's a story with a footnote. I can share with you that Greg remarried the year before last. 
And so it seems just right to close like we started with a little verse. This time from the bride and groom's first dance. From Take On Me. I'm stumbling away, slowly learning that life is okay. Say after me, it's no better to be safe than sorry. Thank you for joining me in the comfy chairs. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe, leave a rating or review, or share it with others. You'll find comfy chairs updates and other thoughts on leadership and learning on Instagram at 123 limited that's o-n-e-2-3-l-t-d until next time